This last week we were talking about some things that were missing in the midst of all of the changes that COVID has brought about. And one of those changes that we talked about in our, uh, Josh and I did about uh, the fact that we're not able to do what we once were able to do in greeting and loving on people and our visitors as they come and, and just showing the, the heart that this church has. So uh, Josh and I talked a little bit about what we might do to kind of bring that about. So the only thing that we've come up with so far is we're going to ask everybody to stand up right now. You would. And then what we're going to ask you to do is just where you are, turn around and wave at your neighbor. Okay? Um, as God is bringing more and more folks back, we want people to know who's here. Um, it breaks my heart to, to, to not be able to hug your neck and, and, and shake your hand. I still have no problem reaching out my hand to shake hands. So good, you, you were able to do that. For those of you at home, I'm waving to you. Uh, those of you in the car know that we're waving to you as well. Um, we don't want to lose something that is what I've said for uh, these many years of being here is the DNA of this church, and that is the, uh, the love and the fellowship and the heart uh, of welcoming people into the body of Christ, into uh, our church services. We don't want any of our visitors coming and thinking that, boy, what an unfriendly church. Uh, these days are just hard enough as it is. People need to to know that they're recognized. They need to know their love. They need to know uh, that somebody cares. And we, the church, need to make sure we do everything that we can to continue to make that known. All right? Um, I didn't tell you to sit down, so you're going to have to stand back up. So, you know, that's all on you, not on me. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Um, I did not tell Ron what I was preaching on today when he picked the songs. Uh, I wanted to, but I love to let the Lord just kind of do His thing. And uh, uh, the Star of Bethlehem was uh, right in there, and, and uh, God gave it to us. Um, so we're going to talk about following the Christmas star to Jesus this morning. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. It should be there on the screen for those of you that are at home. and. Those of you that are uh, here and don't have your Bible with you, I don't know why. Where did you think you were going this morning when you left the house? Um, did you think you were going to Walmart? Um, if that's the case, well, thank God you made it to church. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it, it's there on the screen for you to follow along. And it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ child should be born. And when they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophets, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Art thou not least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he was privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it had come and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child would marry his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And they had opened their treasures. They presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. Father, we thank you for the story of Matthew writing to us about uh, the wise men and the star of Bethlehem. And Lord, what a powerful star it was. 
And Lord, today as we take the time to look at this and what uh, the Bible says to us that we can learn, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our spiritual eyes to see the truth behind the star, the purpose and the message that God has for each and every one of us. So, Father, we ask that today that you would speak unto us uh, through your Spirit, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you uh, would speak through me uh, and use me this morning as we speak uh, these words together. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to present your scripture and your word today. Move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross, that it not be me, but it be you that is spoken of and to today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Now, I normally don't share this passage of scripture until after Christmas, but for those of you that might have been paying attention last week, uh, Pastor Josh shared with us last week that we're going to be able to see a rare conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn that will uh, make them look like a single point of light in the sky. Tomorrow night, December the 21st, about an hour after dark, if, if uh, the clouds are not overtaking us, if there's not a storm, if there's not a problem, but somebody will be able to see this. And many have even called this the star of Christmas. So I got to reading articles this week and, and just checking it out and wanted to know what the world was saying about this phenomenon that's coming up. This has not been seen since the Middle Ages. And, and as I was reading and, and, and listening to different people talk about it and, and, and when they were pointing it back to the possibility that it may have been something to do with the star of Bethlehem. And then there were those critics who were talking about the fact that, oh, you can't trust the Bible and you can't trust the writers of the Bible because they took a license to exaggerate and all of these things. And I got to thinking, if I'm going to listen to what the world has to say about this phenomenon, I, I probably ought to see if the Bible has anything to say about it. And guess what I came to? The star of Bethlehem. And there in Matthew's gospel, Matthew shares with us this story about uh, the wise men, but, but he tells us about a star in which they followed. And so it led them to none other than, help me out here, none other than Jesus. All right, so it brought them to Jesus. So we want to talk about the Christmas star that took them to Jesus. So even today, we need to be following the Christmas star that leads to Jesus. I, you know, um, there are many amazing aspects of events surrounding Christ's birth. But one of them that has especially made its way into our decorations, our cards, our carols, our nativity scenes, uh, is the star of Bethlehem. The account of the star has uh, fascinated Bible students uh, and astronomers for centuries. Some claim that it was simply this conjunction of planets. Some say it may have been a comet. Others say that it could have been a supernova that took place back in the sky in those days. So what was this star? What did God have in mind? And how did God do this? And, and, and what is the star of Bethlehem? And what does the Bible say about its importance to us some uh, 2,000 plus years later? Um, what was God's purpose? for using a star of Bethlehem. These are some of the things that we're going to kind of talk about this morning as I walk through Matthew's gospel here in chapter 2 and share with you some things that we can see from uh, Matthew's gospel that we can see about what God was doing with this star. As we seek to understand God's purpose for using this star, it will be helpful for us to look at a few things that lead up to his purpose. First of all, let's look at the heavens for the answers that we need. All right, so as we look to the heavens, I got a question for you. Um, as we consider the heavens and what they mean, 
Have you ever gone outside on a clear night, on a, a, a wonderful, clear evening sky, and looked up into the night sky and looked at the beauty of it? Well, probably for most of us, we've done it not only when we've been on vacation, because typically um, we got many things to do in life and we don't have time to run out on a clear night after we fed family dinner, we got to clean up, and we just don't have time to go out and stand and stare in the sky. Well, I've had the privilege of not only seeing the, the sky from this hemisphere, but I've had the privilege of seeing it from the other hemisphere. And let me tell you, um, God created a vast universe out there of amazing stars and amazing planets and amazing things that we can look at. And, and, and if we look at it, we see the beauty of it. But I want to take us back to the Old Testament just for a few moments and, and, and kind of consider a, a young shepherd boy out in the field tending his father's flock, looking up at the night sky, writing down his, his thoughts about what he saw as he looked up into the sky. And I'm talking about none other than King David. David, as a young shepherd boy, uh, wrote these words in Psalms 8, 3, uh, 3 through 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. David was awestruck by the beauty of the majesty of the handiwork of God as he looked up into the starry sky and he didn't understand all that he saw, but he was just amazed that God, who put the universe together in such a wonderful way, would be concerned with such a, a, a futile person, such as a human being, in the midst of all of the wonders of the universe. And yet, as David had no concept of the vast distance and size and the objects that he was observing. You know, today, we have the great telescopes that have looked out far beyond. Um, and year after year, they're developing it to be stronger and stronger. And isn't it amazing that every time they say, we have saw the end of the universe, that they create some technology that says, oh, Sorry, uh, we just found that there's more out there than what we thought. It's amazing. God's universe is so vast that, that man will never understand the vastness of it. But we understand much more today than David did in his day. I, as you and I look up at the starry sky, it should cause us great wonder to say, what a wonderful God we have. What a magnificent, powerful God. Tony taught about this in Sunday school this morning, about the majesty and the power of God. He's not an idol sitting on a shelf. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth, and he told the people, why would you trust that when I have created all of this. And so David, as he looked, causes us to consider the wonders of the universe in which we live. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the galaxies and the stars, and he set them spinning in space in an astronomical precision. In the book of Genesis, in the Bible, it tells us that God gave the stars in the sky to give us light on the earth and listen to what it says in verse 14 of chapter 1 of Genesis to serve as signs to mark the seasons the days and the years God designed the universe with specific order and as the ancients studied the night sky they observed the beauty and God's order in the sky as a matter of fact they begin to recognize that there was no random juncture of things that every night when they came out, they looked up into the sky in the same place. Guess what they found? The same star was right there. And the one to the right of it that was there last night is there tonight. And the one that was to the left of it, one that was above it and below it. And all the stars that they had begun to look at, they began to understand that there was an order to what God had created. And as a matter of fact, as he has positioned each and every star in a particular place, as the great star wheel turned about above the earth, each of the stars stayed in a relative position to each other. 
The moon and the planets moved independently of the stars, but they learned that they could then pilot themselves and set a course due to what they saw in the sky. Then, of course, there were also many surprises that came their way, such as meteor showers, comets, sudden flare-ups in the sky. Many of the ancients viewed these as signs and warnings in the heavens. The Bible talks about that. How that they looked at this as a sign from heaven above that something was about to happen. And so it was with the Magi. These astrologers from the east, they noticed something unusual in the sky around the time that we celebrate the birth of Christ. Something out of the ordinary caught their attention and spurred them to make a long journey all the way from their homeland to a little place called Jerusalem, and then to Bethlehem. But remember, if God had not first ordered the stars in a specific order, and every night that they were the same, every cycle they were the same, every time they looked to the sky, they were the same, guess what? The, uh, the wise men, the magi, these astrologers, would not have noticed something different in the sky had God not had such a wonderful order about His creation. Now what does that say to us? That God is a God of order, of God of structure. He is a God who has set things in motion for a particular purpose. And he wants us to understand that when things are out of order, God, God is trying to get our attention to bring us to a place that we can get back to his order. And so it was that the Magi noticed this particular star in the sky. It stood out to them. So before we can consider the miracle of the star, before we can understand the purpose of the star, we need to first see the answers that are found in the heavens that God has ordered all of the stars so that they would recognize when something was out of place. The beautiful order of God's handiwork in the stars in the night sky is there as a, a reminder to us that God is still in control. And so let's look not only to the heavens to see the order of God and how that he placed this star in a particular place so that it would say something is different, something has changed. We need to turn our attention to the scripture. Look at the scripture for the answers as to what the purpose of this star was and what did God intend for us to learn some 2,000 plus years later. When the Magi got to Jerusalem, they began to ask the question. They began to ask the people, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we have saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him, Matthew says. Somehow they connected the star with the birth of the Christ. They, they came seeking a Christ, a savior in which to worship, a king, one who would be set in royalty. You might wonder how could they possibly have made such a connection. And for that, we must look to the scripture. The Bible tells us exactly how that took place. When we follow through the Old Testament, again, I'm going to point back to the fact that Tony alluded to it in his Sunday school class this morning, maybe not even understanding the, 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 the connection that I was going to make this morning. The fact that Isaiah was a reminder that, that God was judging his people for their sin of idolatry. And in that judgment, he said that he was going to send them into captivity. That he was going to take them out of their homeland and place them in a foreign land for a period of time until they got their hearts right with God. And in the midst of that time, we go back to the scripture and we find that, that long before Christ came into the world. The scripture began to tell us about the coming of God and that God chose the people of Israel to be his very own. He gave them the law. He gave them the sacrifices to make in the temple. He gave them the promises, all which pointed forward to the promise that was given in Genesis 
that one day a woman would bring forth a child and that child would destroy Satan, the coming of the Christ. One of those early promises was recorded in the book of Numbers where it was prophesied in Numbers 24 and verse 17 where it says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This promise was connected to an earlier prophecy about the scepter all the way back in Genesis chapter 49. And where Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10 says this, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and until him shall the gathering of the people be. Taken together, these prophecies speak of a ruler who will come out of Israel, out of the tribe of Judah, to whom the obedience of all the nations of the world shall follow. Now, in Numbers prophecy, the star is symbolic of a ruler who will come. So it is easy to see how the Magi might relate the image of a a star in the sky that they did not see before, that they could not explain, that they did not understand, how that it might signify the coming of the Savior, the coming of a king, a ruler to come. So as we look at what this mysterious star in the east shows as a sign of a king, of the Jews was finally born into the world. And if the obedience of the nation was with him, then the Christ was not only the king of the Jews, but he would also be the king of the Magi. He would also be the king of the world. And therefore, it caused them to not just see a distant star out of place in in the, the order of the universe, But it reminded them this king was to be born and this king was to be served. And they left their homeland and traveled afar to a foreign land to meet Jesus, to meet the king. So when we look at the star, we begin to to see that there is something that God is doing through the scripture that will point them to where he is. Now, These may have been just some of the prophecies that the Magi were familiar with. You and I might sit back and scratch our head a little bit and wonder how these foreigners from a foreign land knew about the scripture that was given to the Jews, but not to the rest of the world at this point. Well, again, you think back to Old Testament, Isaiah, and others that prophesied that the children of Israel would have to leave their homeland due to their sinfulness and go to a foreign land and there take up residence for a period of time. It kind of reminds us even today as you and I, before we came to Christ, we were living in a foreign land, wandering in the wilderness, if you would. And God opened up His light, His Word, so that we might find our way home. So when we look at the Old Testament Scripture, you will recall that the people of Israel, not being faithful to God and His covenant, God scattered them throughout the nations, sending them into exile. One of those places was a place called Babylon. Now on Thursdays, we've been studying out of the book of Daniel in my uh, Thursday morning adult Bible study group and Uh, We've been talking about this, and we've been tying all this together, um, how that in the book of Daniel, Daniel gave them information about who God was. And Daniel um, uh, was one of those prophets who lived and served as an advisor for both the the province of, of Babylon and that of Persia. And some of the other advisors at that time were called... Magi. Mm, Isn't that interesting how the scripture ties it all together? Tells us how that these Magi of the New Testament were the Magi of the Old Testament that heard and understood and received the scripture from the Old Testament prophets. 
And because of the exile of the Jewish scriptures were known in other lands. And that was one of the ways that God spread his word around the world. And as they had access to the prophecies of Scripture, being astrologers, certainly they would have been particularly drawn, I'm sure, to such passages as those that spoke about the stars and the sky and the wonder of God's creation. Another messianic prophecy that may have influenced them would be from the book of Isaiah, and it's in chapter 60 and verses 1 through 3. And it says, Arise, son, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising." Whatever scripture they may have known, whatever scripture they may have come across, somehow they were able to make a connection between that of the Old Testament prophecies, uh, to between that and what the star that they saw rising in the east, and how that it represented a ruler who would uh, come out of Judah and would be the king over Israel, but not only Israel, but all of the world. And they left their homeland and took a far journey into that land so that they could come and worship the King of Kings. We have come this morning so that we too might, as we prepare for the celebration of Christmas, not to forget that the true meaning of Christmas is that God gave the greatest gift of all. He gave us His Son. And therefore, we look to the time of worshiping God for His gift. But thirdly, let us look not only to the heavens to see the order in which God has given and to the Scripture that points us to how that He might use a star But let us look to the miracle for answers. Now you say, why do you call it a miracle? Because it's clear from Matthew's text here that this star had to be a miracle. It was no ordinary star. There are some things that that happen that stars do not do apart from God having His hand upon them. It was a miraculous sign sent from heaven to mark the birth of God's Son. The star, miraculous in at least two ways, and perhaps with your brains uh, uh, and your knowledge of Scripture, you can come up with more, but I'm going to give you two this morning. First of all, the timing was miraculous. You see, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul says in the right time, in due season, God brought forth His Son. You see, God didn't just haphazardly have this happen, but there was a a plan to His time. And in the right time, and in the time in which God had set, He came. So the timing was miraculous. The star appeared at the time that Christ was to be born in this world. Now, let me just kind of remind you, for those of you that get a little confused here because of nativity scenes, the nativity scenes that we oftentimes see, we see the, the, the magi around the cradle, the, the, that place of his birth, but that's not how it happened. Matthew is very, very clear to tell us that the Magi did not come at his birth, but they come to worship the one that was born. Over and over again, it talks about the fact that he was a young child. It tells us that, that, that um, Herod asked exactly when the, the star first appeared, marking the birth of the Savior. 
Now, I don't know, perhaps maybe the, the, the showing up of the angels uh, uh, in, in the, uh, the sky uh, over Bethlehem was the beginning of that sparked the star. I don't know what God did and how he did it, and that really doesn't matter. But the, the timing was miraculous. The star could have showed up at any time, but no, it showed up exactly on the night that Jesus was born. All right? So we read in Matthew, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So why was it so important to know when the star appeared? Well, we've got to understand Herod. Herod was threatened because there was a king that was going to be born, that, that was going to rightfully have an, uh, uh, an heir to the throne, which Herod did not have. And Herod said, i got to get rid of this kid before he grows up and realizes he belongs here and I don't. So he asked for a specific date. And, and, and Herod got a specific date from them. In fact, when um, Herod told them, he told them to go and, and, and find the child and worship and then bring word back so he might come and worship. And we know that that was not what he wanted to do. He wanted to kill the child. And then when the Magi uh, didn't return and they received a, a, a message from God in a dream to go home another way, Herod then realized that they were not coming back. And here's what Matthew says in chapter 2 and verse 16. As Herod saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceedingly wroth, and he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in the coast thereof, listen, from two years old and under. You see, the child was not a baby born that night, but there was up to two-year period that the Magi said, we've seen this star, we've been traveling for a long time. And then he sends them out to kill the children. But not only the timing was miraculous, but listen, the movement of the star was miraculous. Now remember what I told you earlier in the first thing, that God set the stars in order, and when you go out tonight and you look at the stars, they're, they're going to be in the same place they were last night. They're going to be in the same place they will be tomorrow night. Give or take just a wee little. Okay? But they're going to be generally in the same place. All right? So what about the movement of the star was miraculous? It started and it stopped. And it pointed to a specific place. I've never seen a star point to a specific place. It just glistens in the sky and, and radiates light. But this particular star sent them as a GPS coordinates. It's the first GPS. Okay? God's global positioning system. You will laugh more when you get home. We know that the Magi initially saw a star in the east. And they made connection to the Christ. And then they made their way to Jerusalem. And there they come to Jerusalem and they ask the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We don't know. The star had not showed them. It just pointed to a general location. So it started and it stopped. It came and it went. And it came and it went. We don't know whether or not the star was there guiding them all the way or it just kept coming and going. It seems as though that it came and went. Now, and the star in which they say in Matthew chapter 2, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young child. So, what was the star of Bethlehem? Well, you know, people have been trying to figure that out for a long time. And uh, uh, there are four most common explanations, and I'm going to quickly give them to you. First of all, a comment. The, the first thing was that the early church suggested that the star of, of Bethlehem may have actually been a comment. However, it does not explain the miraculous movement of the star towards Bethlehem. Also, continents were generally considered omens of evil, bearers of bad news, not good news. So that one don't seem likely. 
And then the early church thought, well, maybe it was a conjunction of planets, kind of like what we're going to see tomorrow. Others had suggested the star was really a conjunction of planets. However, what we'll see if we watch tomorrow, we'll see this very same thing. The planetary conjunctions are fairly brief in events, lasting for many, not more than months. But for the more concentrated ones, uh, as a matter of fact, if you don't go out tomorrow night uh, uh, about an hour after dusk, you may miss this event. All right, so don't think you can go out at midnight, oh, I just remembered, I'll go, it won't be the same. All right, so there's a specific timing of it. So this one only is going to last a few hours. So that one don't seem like it fits very well. And then the the, uh, third one is a supernova. I don't know much about them, but I read a little bit, and supernovas are those things that happen to a star when uh, uh, it's kind of at the end of its life, and, and it kind of implodes and blows up and, 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 and flares out, as they call it. Um, kind of thinking about that, I kind of think about what the Bible says about what's going to happen to the earth, and perhaps maybe that's what's going to happen as for us at the end. It's going to flare out. Um, but we ain't going there. So this one, uh, they say this supernova flared up in a brilliance and, and it maintains its brilliance for certainly a period of time, um, but yet um, it doesn't move. It doesn't travel. Now, history tells us that there was a report of a tailless comet in, in, in uh, the year 4 B.C., that was kind of close to around the time in which we really think that Jesus was born. But the timing is close, but once again, it doesn't account for the starting and stopping and the showing and not showing of the star. And then number four, there were those of the church that said, well, certainly it was a manifestation of God's glory. I kind of like this one. Uh, That's kind of where I lean towards And then finally, it was also suggested that the star was the manifestation of God's glory, simply to the uh, similar to the shining cloud that led the Israelites through the wilderness, except higher in the sky. The advantage of this suggestion is that the cloud in the desert is actually a biblical example in which we can read about and understand and see how, maybe not understand, but we can see how that God used it for his guidance of his children through the desert to the promised land. So if God could do that with a cloud, can he not do that with a star? I think he can. Now, church, we may not be able to explain the star of Bethlehem to the skeptics other than to say it is a miracle. But when it's all said and done, we have something better than an explanation. We are left with a mystery, a mystery that leads to a miracle, a miracle that leads to God wanting to point us to a particular place. And there we find that the star of Bethlehem led to one particular place. Listen, when they got to Jerusalem, they didn't see the star. It wasn't until they left Jerusalem and headed to Bethlehem that it says, the star shone over where Jesus lived. And then, and then, my friends, it stood for them to find Jesus. So listen, the star of Bethlehem is one of the many wonders of the Christmas story that should draw our hearts to worship the Lord each and every Christmas season. So fourthly, let me close our time looking at the purpose for the answer. The purpose for the answer as to what the star was there for is so important when we think about Christmas and what it means. But even if we can't explain the star of Bethlehem, we're not left in the dark about its purpose. God's purpose for the star of Bethlehem was simply to point the Magi to the Christ. 
God used the star to catch the Magi's attention and to bring them to Jerusalem and then to send them to a little town called Bethlehem. It was there that they received the fuller revelation of Christ from God's Word when the teachers of the law were called by Herod to say, wait a minute, where is this child supposed to be born? What does the Scriptures promise? What does the Old Testament prophecy tell us that we need to understand? Isn't it amazing, even those that don't believe oftentimes go back to this book to look for the answers? My friends, even today, There are those skeptics, there are those who do not believe in God, who do not believe in Jesus as their Savior, oftentimes turn back to this book for the answers of the troubles of life. But we need to make sure, as Tom was sharing us in our prayer time this morning, that we will not understand the, the, the wellness of the world or the need for the wellness of the world until we understand the need for the wellness of our own soul. We need to recognize that we need to get right before we'll ever see how the world can get right. And so it was that uh, as the Scripture pointed them to Jerusalem, the place of Christ's birth, King Herod, calling all of them together, he is told himself... Now, in other messages on this, I've asked this question, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. If Herod just found this out and he really wanted to worship the, the, the child, would he have not gone with them? How many of us, if we found out something uh, so exciting, so wonderful, and somebody was saying, hey, that's where we're going next, you want to come? Wouldn't just say, yeah, let me go. No, you just, I'll stay here, you just come back and tell me. And what does it say in Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, in Bethlehem of Judea? For thus it is written by the prophets, Thou, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Boy, I think when when Herod heard those words, a a shiver went up and down his spine and said, "Mm, I'm in deep trouble. I got to get rid of this kid. And then the star, the scripture says, went out ahead of them as they began their journey towards Bethlehem. And then it stopped over the place where Christ resided. It is that point in verse 10 when they saw the star again. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, was it because they, they, they had walked a, a, a day's journey or a week's journey without seeing the star? Had it been that they had said, maybe we've missed the boat? No, I don't think it's because they saw the star again. I think it's because the star stopped and stood. And they knew that place right there is where we have been heading to. When my GPS and my truck gets me to the place that I've pinned into it as I want, it says your destination, or you have reached your destination. And that's what that star said to them that night. You have reached your destination. You have got, and they were excited about the fact that after this long, arduous journey, they are now where the star was leading them. They had found the Christ. And I would say to you, I believe that that is the purpose of the star today. God doesn't want us to get hung up on the various ways of explaining a star. Just as uh, we put on a lamp to read a book, or we turn on a light to spotlight something, so it is that the star of Bethlehem was simply to point a star to point them to Christ And so it is today. As we hear about the star of Bethlehem, it is simply a reminder that at the end of that star, where it shines, there was Christ. And we have been told in the New Testament that every one of us who are believers in Christ have a light that shines in us that should be shining people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Not just to the manger, not to the little home that he lived in, but to the end result of dying on the cross for you and I. 
the light that is supposed to shine, the star that shines so brightly that brought them to the place where they would find the Christ is the same light that is supposed to shine in us. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies. He is the ruler who came out of Israel. The obedience of the nations belonged to him. Whether they know it or not, whether they want it or not, whether they accept it or not, Paul the apostle said one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The star showed us that Christ has come and that we are to serve him. It's interesting to me, and maybe you've never noticed it before, how the Gospel of Matthew begins with foreigners from a distant nation coming to worship Christ. And then if you look at the ending of the Gospel of Matthew, it ends with Jesus' commission to the church to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. They were coming, and then we are to go. They came first to see the Christ. Now we are to go and tell others of the Christ that has come. That is why it is so important for us to give to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, an opportunity for us to support our, uh, our international missions that go around the world, sharing the gospel with those other nations. Because in the end, revelations remind us that God is going to bring all the nations together, every tongue, every language, every tribe, every nation, because we have gone forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's important that we share uh, the gospel. It's important that we go. It's important that we give for others to go, that we can continue to see the missionary thrust. It is also a reminder to us that we, too, have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with everyone and anyone and everywhere and even here. So that both where we live and around the world will hear that the Christ child has been born, the one who came to live a sinless life and die a sinless death, to raise from the grave. And we are to make disciples. Not just tell the gospel, but we're to make disciples. We're to train them up so that they can go and continue to carry on the good work of pointing people to Jesus. Whether or not you go outside tomorrow night, that's all totally up to you. Whether or not that you see in the sky the, the one point, that light that some have called the Christmas star, really matters not. But what I hope that it will do for you is to cause you to be reminded of the Bethlehem star. The star that God placed in the sky so long ago to point us to the Christ. To bring the Magi a far journey to Him. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're out in the car Maybe you're somewhere that you feel like you're a, a far journey away from God. And you're wondering, how do I get to the Christ? How do I find Him? My friends, the Bible tells us that, that what we need to do is first and foremost acknowledge that we will never do it on our own. That we can't. We can't get there in our own good works. We can't get there by our own selves. We must come and we must be drawn by the Spirit of God to come to a knowledge and understanding that our sin separates us from God and that we need Him as our Savior. That's what He came for. That's why over here we have the cradle and then we have the cross in the background because Jesus didn't come to be just a cute baby cooing and sleeping as the little feller there is but to grow up, to die for your sins and mine. And so it is that you must acknowledge that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and ask Him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sin. And He promises that He will do just that if your heart is sincere. 
But listen, He not only wants to forgive you of your sins, and listen, my friends, there's a part two to that process, and we must give Him the Lordship of our life. We must say, Lord, no longer will I do things my way. No longer will I be the boss. No longer will I control, but I surrender to You. You see, if we've never surrendered to Christ, we've never really truly been forgiven by Christ. If God cannot change our life, if He has not the authority in us to tell us that we can no longer live this way, He cannot give us the forgiveness of God. He must be Lord. So I challenge you today to think about, in just the next moment, I'm going to ask every head to bow and every eye to close. Those of you that are at home, as, as we just take this moment or two to reflect, I ask that you would reflect upon how far you are from the Christ today. How far of a journey do you need to take today to get to where Christ wants you to be? Maybe for some it's just as short as the, the journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Maybe for some it's like the journey of the Magi. It's from a far east or a far west to a far east. Maybe it's a long distance, but let me tell you, if you take the first step, God takes all the rest with us. We must first surrender our hearts to Him. On this Christmas season, the greatest gift that you can receive is Jesus the Savior. The greatest gift that you can give is your heart to Jesus the Savior. Father, I pray that you would lead those that are far from you to find their way home to you. I pray that they would see the Christ in the cradle. They would see the Christ in the teaching square. They would see the Christ on the cross. And they would come to know him as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, that as you have given the greatest gift to humanity that humanity can receive, that we would give back to God that the greatest gift humanity has, and that is ourselves. For you desire to have that, that relationship with us, O oh Lord. And because of that, we're thankful today for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Father, if there's one that has come to know you, would you cause them to reach out? Would you cause them to come forward? Would you cause them to call so that we might help them and disciple them to walk with you? Lord, hear us now as we pray. Let the light of the star shine and let the light of Christ shine through us. And may others see Jesus in us that they might be pointed to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you that have been watching online, the information to uh, how to con contact us is there on the screen. And if you will contact us, we would love to contact you back and help you in any way we can. Thank you for coming to worship with us now. And uh, thank you for being a part of this service.